0: Welcome to Basic Brewing Radio for Thursday, August 11th. I'm James Spencer. Here at Basic Brewing Radio, we're all about home brewing, making beer at home. Today, we have a couple of items for you. First of all, we have the second half of our interview with Paul Gatza, Director of the Brewers Association. In this episode, Paul talks with us about home brewing in the United States and about the American Home Brewers Association. Also, we have a story about a homebrewer who decided to go pro. But first, I'd like to say howdy to a few folks. First of all, I'd like to say hello and thanks to Tom Wiles and Jeffrey T. Meyer. Tom and Jeffrey T. are both fellow podcasters who I interviewed for a story on podcasting for my local NPR affiliate station. I really appreciate all the time that they took to talk to me. It's very useful stuff, and I hope interesting to everybody. Tom Wiles is otherwise known as Trucker Tom. Tom is a trucker from northwest Arkansas who travels the country and records his podcast along the way. Trucker Tom is one heck of a nice guy, and you can check out his podcast at truckerphoto.com. That's truckerphoto, all one word, dot com. And you've heard me mention Jeffrey T. Meyer before. Jeffrey T. runs the Good Beer Show over at goodbeershow.com. And by the way, congratulations to Jeffrey T and all the gang for winning a podcast award recently. Good work, guys. If you enjoy good music and good beer, check out goodbeershow.com. And I want to thank everybody who's uh, taken time to write in this week, including Jamie, who's just getting started in home brewing. Good luck, Jamie, and let me know if you have any questions along the way. Jerry, who had some valuable feedback for the recipe section of our site. Thanks, Jerry. And Brian, who wants to hear more about all-grain brewing. Well, Brian, be sure to listen to the second half of our program today, because the story I did with Chris Milam, the head brewer of a local brew pub, goes into a pretty good overview of the all-grain brewing process. And as time goes on, we plan to delve very deeply into the subject, so stay tuned. We appreciate any and all email, and we answer it all. If you'd like to drop us a line, you can do so at james at basicbrewing.com or through the contact page on basicbrewing.com. And another little personal note, if you joined us on the past show, you know we talked about Mead and National Mead Day. Well, my wife Susan and I were invited to join Steve and Gretchen Wilkes along with some other friends to celebrate Mead Day, and Steve put on quite a spread, as he usually does. He pretty much cooked up the menu that he suggested uh, when we were talking on the porch last week. And before we dug into the appetizers, I took a picture. You can see that shot by going to basicbrewingradio.com, that's basicbrewingradio.com, and looking for the link in the description of this week's show. Very tasty stuff. It tasted even better than it looks, if you can believe it. Thanks to Stephen Gretchen once again for the hospitality. Well, now on to the meat of the show. Paul Gatza is director of the Brewers Association, and he joins us to talk about the American Homebrewers Association. Welcome, Paul. Thanks, James. Now tell us, uh, how does the Brewers Association relate to the American Homebrewers Association?
1: Uh, The Brewers Association is an organization for beer enthusiasts, uh, professional brewers, and amateur brewers. So the American Homebrewers Association is one division of that. The American Homebrewers Association's roots go back to 1978 with the publication of the first issue of Zymergy Magazine and also the federal legalization of homebrewing, which uh, then all the states uh, had to follow uh, uh, in the coming years afterwards.
0: And it was founded by uh, Charlie Papazian, is that right? That's correct. And Papazian is a a very familiar name if you've been in uh, homebrewing very long.
1: Yeah, Charlie's um, books, a uh, series of books called The New Complete Joy of Homebrewing and The Joy of Homebrewing before that, which started as a small pamphlet and grew into a uh, um, you know pretty thorough book with a second edition and a third edition is uh, uh, sold nearly a million copies
0: now. And uh, I'm I'm one of the brewers that uh, when I got my homebrewing kit, uh, I got one of those books and so it was very helpful in in getting me uh, started. Now, what, what, is the, what is the goal of the American Homebrewers Association?
1: Um, our goal is uh, really to promote um, enthusiasm for the brewing process and beer and for beer culture. Uh, we're very much involved with uh, thinking that this world would be a better place if people would relax a little bit, uh, have a beer with friends, and really enjoy life a little more.
0: And what is the state of homebrewing in the United States today?
1: uh... it's uh... it's going pretty well there's roughly uh... around three to four hundred thousand uh... active homebrewers who are brewing at least a batch a year and there's uh... um homebrewing is largely organized into clubs in each town so there's roughly a thousand homebrew clubs out there uh... where people gather once or twice a month to uh... sample each other's beers to talk about some of the technical aspects of home brewing and uh, really just to enjoy each other's company
0: now you can you, it seems to me that that there's a range of involvement that you can get into home brewing. You can be the casual extract brewer who brews uh, you know every now and then, and then you can be the person who has uh, you know a, a system that they 've built that's uh, more complicated than their home's uh, you know heating and cooling system that uh, <laughs> you know is autom- computer automated and all that uh, so uh, you know you see a wide range of home brewers out there.
1: Yeah and uh, uh what we see is uh homebrewers generally tend to be a little anti-establishment uh that what's been provided for them on the commercial level uh hasn't necessarily been something that they've said okay I'll drink that uh but they've decided to try their own and you know try some flavors and in fact home brewing is really what's inspired uh, a lot of the professional craft brewing and, uh, you know, the whole range of beer styles that are available now, well, those wouldn't exist without homebrewing in this country.
0: And I, I would imagine that you see uh, a lot of these small breweries uh, being started up by former homebrewers. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, our estimates are over 90 percent of uh, professional brewers started as homebrewers.
0: Okay, if, I, if I'm a homebrewer, why would I want to join the American Homebrewers Association?
1: I think uh, um connection to our network um, for uh, one of the biggest benefits we have would be our daily email forum called Tech Talk. We have over five thousand people who uh, you know just uh, lurk on it or make posts or reply to other questions uh, so you get sort of the uh, almost an immediate uh technical uh, service to answer any questions you have. Uh, Zymergy Magazine continues to be the best magazine for homebrewers out there. And, uh, also, uh, there are a range of other benefits like, uh, book discounts and discounts to the Great American Beer Festival, um, and as well as, uh, our pub discount program. So in all over the country, you can take your AHA membership card and you can get, you know, 10 to 20% off food and drink where it's legal.
0: Well, I can tell you that, uh, I've only joined the uh, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that I've only uh, joined the American Homebrewers Association this year. I've been brewing since 96, but finally got around to to joining, and I wish that I joined back in 96 because the magazine and the daily email uh that together is worth the price of admission in my opinion. Uh the in the 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 daily email kind of uh you were talking about a, a sense of community. It really uh, you see people with, uh, you know, kind of newbie questions uh, on there, and you also see people with some some pretty, uh, you know, head scratching questions of how to do some some fairly sophisticated things in brewing, uh, and they get answers, several answers uh, most of the time uh, from their questions.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing pool of knowledge that we have here, and fortunately, a lot of homebrewers come from the more technical. Uh, computer sciences or engineering where people really, uh, like to dive into issues and come up with the, the right answers. So it's, uh, um, you know, there's a, a, just a pool of information among the membership that's amazing.
0: And I've been, uh, you know, I'm, I'm marketing a uh, homebrewing DVD and I've been talking to homebrew store owners across the country and, and someone said, and I, and I, I agree with this, that if you ask 10 different homebrewers how to brew beer, you'll get 12 different answers. <laughs> it, it seems like, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, religion in that uh, there's there's pretty much the, the same end goal, but the way of getting around that is, uh, you know, fairly flexible.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think you see that in a lot of the different systems, that uh, brewing systems that people create for themselves. Um, some of them are just, you know, amazing scientific gadgets and Apparatuses that, uh, um, if you didn't see it, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you know, get the point of why they would be doing it that way. And then once you see the system and see it in operation, it like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I see why you do it that way.
0: And I think as long as you know the basics and and the rules, uh, you know the sp- specific, uh, you know, hardwired rules that you've got to follow to make a good beer. I think uh, you know it's all up to your creativity and how you get there.
1: Yep, uh, c- creativity is important. Sanitation is probably the most important part. Um, you know, brewing cleanly and uh, uh, making sure that you try to keep your beer free of all the little beasties that can uh, create some off flavors.
0: But then, uh, even if you screw up on ingredients, you know, if you follow sanitation wisely, you'll you'll get beer. It may may not be what you uh, were were shooting for, but it may be even better than than what you were looking for. That's right. I I do want to give a plug to Zymergy because uh, that's. An impressive publication. Uh, the articles and the, and the recipes, to me, uh, the recipes are, uh, are worth a subscription or the, the, uh, uh, subscription, the, the membership dues to the American Homebrewers Association. They've got both, uh, all grain recipes and extract recipes in there. And they're, it's just an inspiration. I can't, I can't say enough about, uh, Zymergy.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. Each year on our special issue, we publish the, gold medal recipes from the 4,000-plus entry national homebrew competition. So um, that's one that people collect the back issues of is the September-October issues.
0: And if people want to know more about uh, uh, the American Homebrewers Association and how to join, how would they go about doing that?
1: Uh, they can log on to www.beertown.org um, or call our toll-free number, 888 can brew 822-6273.
0: And uh, any last words, Paul, before we go?
1: Uh, home brewing is just a absolutely wonderful hobby to be in. In the fifteen years that I've been brewing, uh, what I really, you know, in addition to tasting so many great beers, it has brought me together with so many outstanding people and uh, great friends. And um, that's what I find the most most part, the best part of home brewing to me is the people that you meet in it,
0: and and sharing the beer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep, and uh, the more people we get brewing, the more people, different people's beers we can taste, so everyone's not drinking all of our beer.
0: <laughs> it's all about the beer. Alrighty, thank you, Paul Gatza, Director of the uh, Brewers Association, for joining us today. Thanks, James. And remember, if you want to know more about the Brewers Association, you can go to beertown.org. For the second half of today's show, I thought it would be fun to run a story I did for KUAF, the national public radio station here in northwest Arkansas. It's a profile on Chris Milam, who is head brewer of the Hog House Brewing Company, a brew pub in Fayetteville. I thought it would be interesting to you because it is the story of a home brewer who went pro. And we talked quite a bit about the process of all-grain brewing on a large scale. The day begins fairly early for Chris Milam, head brewer of the Hog House Brewing Company, a brew pub on Fayetteville's Dixon Street. It's about 7.30 and he's cutting open 10 bags of malted grain, each weighing 50 or 55 pounds. Milam has been here full time since April when he was hired to take over the head brewer position. Milam is young, 27, but already he's had a major career change in his life. Before he was counting grain bags, he was counting beans, figuratively, as a CPA. He surprised his friends and family when he decided to leave the world of numbers and pursue his hobby of homebrewing as a vocation.
2: It's a way of life now. You know, before I, I was, as a CPA, it was I woke up, I entered into this CPA mentality, went to work, and I was a, a, in a sense a regulator. And that was, you know, 10 hours a day. Then you could go home, you could go back into a normal life. And But here, it's like I've never gone back into that normal life. I've escaped to this brewing world and I love every minute of it."
0: Milam says he still holds on to his CPA license and his accounting skills help him in his new life in tasks such as inventory management and paying attention to the details, which Milam says is critical to producing consistent, high-quality beer. Brewing involves working with four key ingredients, one of which is a microscopic partner in the process.
2: We take our malt, our hops, our yeast, and our water, and we mix those in such a way as, uh, I like to think that you would make something in the kitchen like spaghetti. And we mix them in such a way that we, we uh, heat them up, we boil it, we separate it, and then we uh, add some yeast to it, and the yeast go to work. And the basic idea of yeast is that they want to live, and they want to live well and eat all that sugar that's left over in, that, in the wort, which is what we call beer before it becomes beer. So they want to live and eat all that sugar, and we want them to live and be happy. And so we we have this sort of very happy relationship with the yeast, and they make us wonderful, great-tasting beer. Got to turn the mill on first.
0: The first step to making wonderful, great-tasting beer is milling the grain. For this beer, Chris is using a mix of barley and wheat, which has gone through the malting process. In malting, grain is steeped in water until it germinates, producing enzymes. The grain is then kiln-dried, stopping the germination process and imparting varying colors and flavors depending on the time in the kiln. Proper milling is crucial. As it is milled, the grain passes through two spinning rollers. Milam examines the crushed grain as it passes up an auger and into the large copper brew pot. We
2: have some husk, but if you pinch them you can see that everything comes out of it real easily, all those sugars that we want. And then if you mix it around, see i got a little, I got a little flour, not too much, because that'll stick my, my louder tongue. Then we have some small granules of starch, and then we have some rather large ones. That looks like a pretty good mix.
0: The crust grain falls into warm water in the brew pot to begin the step known as mashing. For the next hour, the enzymes created in malting will go to work on starches and grain to make the food that the yeast will eat, turning sugar into alcohol and CO2.
2: In your grain, in your malt, you have uh, starch granules. And starch is a really long chain of sugars. And then there are enzymes in there that actually go in and they chop up those chains. And they give us really small chains of sugar. And it's those small chains that the yeast loves so much. And those are the ones that they'll actually ferment. So those are what we're trying to achieve uh, in terms of fermentability out of our malt. So we actually pull those over and uh, out of the grain, and that's what we feed the yeast. There's also some pretty long chains that aren't ever going to be broken up, which are called dextrins. Those dextrins, if you pull them through to your fermentation, which you will, will actually give the beer um, a sort of body to it, a mouthfeel. Is what we like to
0: call it. After steeping or mashing for about an hour, the water and grain are pumped through pipes to another vessel called the louder tun. The louder tun is about the same size as the brew pot, but has perforated plates at the base to create a false bottom. Here is where the grains are separated from the sweet wort, which will eventually become the beer. It's here that the quality of the milling is tested. In a perfect world, the grain husks will form a filter bed that the wort will pass through. If the grain has been milled into flour, the liquid will get stuck. While we wait for the loudering to complete, Chris Milam heads downstairs to the hop cooler to gather his hops, the ingredient that adds the bitterness to beer and helps to counter the malty sweetness of the grain.
2: Back in the day, uh, beer was actually made with hops. And so you can imagine tasting this this malty sweet beer that's I mean to me is almost a little repulsive because that bitterness that you look for in the in the beer actually rounds out and balances off that sweetness that you actually get from the malt. It makes it a very nice compound.
0: So so the advertising that says, you know, avoid bitter beer face.
2: Oh, that's see, bitter beer is just a misnomer. People that that commercial has messed up the beer industry because they make you think that bitter beer is the most disgusting, vile part about bad beer. In reality, that you want bitterness in your beer. In reality, what happens with bitter? Uh, that commercial it should say avoid skunky beer. You know, or, because it's that light struck flavor that you get that reacts with the hops if it's not in a, in a brown bottle or a sealed container. It makes that skunky flavor and then yes, you would make an ugly face if you were to drink a skunky beer.
0: Back upstairs as the wort lauders to a level right above the grain bed, Milam turns on a shower of water to begin sparging. During sparging, he's trying to wash as much sugar as he can from the grain without getting astringent off flavors from the husk. After the wort leaves the louder tongue, it's pumped back into the brew pot where it's brought to a boil. As the wort reaches boiling, Milam controls a boilover by spraying cold water onto and into the brew pot. Boil's a tricky thing.
2: It is. The boiling is very tricky. This is the process, when, when I've talked to most people, when they do say, you know, what is brewing? Don't you sit over this big vat of fire and, and allow stuff to boil, and we do. The process that we do this is to uh, isomerize our hops to get those bitter bittering compounds in there. Uh, another one is sterility. We want that sterility uh, in our beer so we can add the yeast later and know the flavor that that yeast is gonna provide. Otherwise, we have microbes in there and we end up with something that could just taste off and terrible.
0: Here at the boil is where the hops are added, but when they're added is another part of the art of brewing. Added early in the boil, the hops release their bitter characteristics. Added later, hops provide a different effect.
2: But you have two main flavors that are coming from uh, hops when you add them late in your boil, and that is floral and citrusy and your citrusy can be, you know, orange, you could actually taste some oranges through it, you might find grapefruit through it, you might find a few spicy character and spicy notes through it, and that, you can all, you can get those from different hop varieties to get those different flavor profiles, and that, as a brewer, you kind of play with, okay, I'm going to add a certain amount of uh, grapefruit, but I just want a hint of something very light and spicy, so then, you know, I might choose a hop variety that I know would give me that little spicy note. So,
0: At the end of the boil, the wort is chilled to fermentation temperature using a heat exchanger. The desired temperature depends on the type of yeast to be used, lager or ale. Lager yeast likes to be fermented at colder temperatures and takes longer to do its job. The result is a clean, crisp beer with little fruitiness. Ale yeast ferments at much higher temperature and takes a shorter time, resulting in fuller bodied beers that have more fruity flavors.
2: We're making an ale today, and in the tank it's going to sit in that cylindroconical and do its primary fermentation for about three days. And then after that three days, we're going to let it stay at the same temperature that we brewed at, which is around 68 degrees Fahrenheit, we're going to let it stay at that and actually the yeast is gonna consume some of those chemicals that it released that we don't want in our final beer. After that, primary fermentation is done, and we're working on a process now called maturation. In maturation, we're trying to mature some of the flavor profiles uh, out a little bit longer. We also want to allow it to clarify and, and let things settle back out of the beer and let the yeast settle so we can draw it off next time.
0: After fermentation, the beer is chilled, filtered, carbonated, and transferred into a refrigerated holding tank, waiting for its last trip to the taps and into the waiting mugs of customers, about 14 days from when it started life as water, malt, hops, and yeast. For this former CPA, Chris Milam says getting feedback from his patrons is yet another reward of his dream job.
2: I love to be able to interact with the customers who drink the beer, to educate them and let them know, you know, about the brewing process and just everything that we've been led wrong in history on, uh, you know, going to, to school here. For instance, you know, Plymouth landed when it did because they were low on rations and by golly they were low on beer.
0: So Plymouth Rock was a a beer run.
2: That was a beer run. (laughs) America was founded on a beer run.
0: Thanks again to Chris Milam for taking time to do that story with me. Best of luck in his job as head brewer there. Don't forget, if you want to drop us a line, we'd be happy to hear from you. If you have brewing questions, show suggestions, or just want to say hey, write to james at basicbrewing.com. Or just fill out the contact form on basicbrewing.com. And while you're there, you can check out our Home Brewing Instructional DVD, Basic Brewing, and Introduction to Extract Home Brewing. On the next episode, the first part of an interview with Bob Hansen, Technical Services Manager for Brees Malt and Ingredients Company. Bob will take us through the malting process and tell us what it takes to get grain ready for brewing. Well that's all until next week. Until then, Thanks for listening. I'm James Spencer. Production help for Basic Brewing Radio and our website is provided by Kelly Dodson. Basic Brewing Radio is a production of Active Voicing. We'll talk to you next time. So long.